0: No one's ever done you before, you know, (laughs) you're you and two people can write or paint or draw the exact same thing and they never look the same, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I could write you just, for example, Cinderella, and it's not going to be the same as the original writer. Yeah. And that's why there's so many retellings, because when you see so many retellings of the same story, it's because they're using that skeleton and then adding them on top.
1: Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 162 of the Camino Voice. Today I speak with a brand new local author. Please welcome Brittany Tucker. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamano Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday, and welcome to 2023! I'm only a week late getting up this podcast, so starting the year off strong. Uh, For those who didn't see on my Instagram stories, I did post um, a... Uh, hey, welcome to the new year, and that I wasn't going to get this episode out until this coming week. So, um, And if you didn't see it because you're not following me, follow me at The Commando Voice on Instagram and Facebook. So um, again, I'll be posting there, hopefully try and post there throughout the year. Uh, I do have a vacation planned at the end of this month, so there's a good chance that I will probably get a few podcasts out this month. And then maybe miss the last one or maybe that first week in February as I kind of get back into the swing of things. So just an update of housekeeping. Hope you guys are all ready for a great 2023. Uh, 2022 was a rough year uh, for some people, um, myself included. There was a lot that happened in the year. Um, a lot of personal stuff, a lot of business stuff, a lot of, a lot of, a lot, lot of stuff. Um, but here we are, we're starting a new year, starting the page off fresh. And uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really, really hopeful this is going to be a, a better year than last year. Um, let's just hope for that. So, um, all right. Well, all that out of the way. Welcome to this episode uh, where I'm interviewing Brittany Tucker, um, who is a local author. Uh, and she's releasing her very first book uh, this month. In fact, I think she just released it on the 10th, so a few days back. Um, but be sure to check it out. I've got the book in the show notes below so you can buy it on Amazon. Uh and uh you can also check out her website. So we get into all things about authors. Uh what's the process you go through? How do you write multiple books? Um she has this book she's launching, and then she's already working on two other books, and then hopefully launching another three or so next year. So she is like really trying to get out a lot of books very quickly. Um, And so anyone who has done any sort of research on um, being an author and writing books knows how much of a time commitment and dedication that takes to do that. Um, So anyways, I'm very impressed just by that alone, just that she's getting this many out. Um, So that being said, she does have these coming out, so be sure to look out. One we're going to be talking about today is a book called A Dowry of Mud and Snails. If I got that name correct, I really hope I did. Um, And so we get into a little bit of the background of it. Uh, she talks a little bit about that, and she also talks about some books that she has coming out later this year. So um, be sure to check out all of her stuff that's coming out. Um, yeah, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Brittany Tucker. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to an episode of the Commando Voice. Today I'm here with a local author, and the book she has releasing this month is called A Dowry of Snails and Mud. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany Tucker. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Brittany.
0: Well, I, it's cool because I just came back to the island about three years ago. I grew up in Florida, and then when my dad was stationed in Washington, we moved to the island when I was a kid. And I went to the Camino Chapel and um, loved it here, and then we moved away, and now my husband and I just bought our first house out here, and now I'm back, and I've got my daughter back in the chapel, and I'm just happy to be in the community again.
1: Nice. Very cool. So you said you grew, you said you grew up on Camino, right? Mm. Okay. And then where'd you go after that?
0: Uh, we l- ended up going to Arlington because my parents have a farm out there. Okay. But you know, it's, it didn't come out this way often, but as soon as we were ready to buy a house, I was like, we're going to
1: Camino. <laughs> nice. Um, so in throughout school, then uh, the junior high, high school, um, what were your interests
0: I was homeschooled. Um, I've actually never Mm -hmm. even set foot into a public school until I was an adult. (laughs) Um, I went through Christian Liberty Academy, but I've been writing since I was, I don't know, six or seven. Okay. And um, and then I also wanted to be a hairstylist. That was, like, my thing. But it's writing just stuck, and about 19, I decided, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a career thing. So I just started researching and studying and mentoring, and now it's like, okay, the time's come. I'm ready to start putting books out, so...
1: Nice. So when it came to writing then, um, what was it about it that really drew you in?
0: It was an outlet that was moving because I'm a very creative person Mm -hmm. and I needed, you know, I tried painting, you know, and I loved it and I loved to draw, but I needed something where I could felt like my things were moving and active and living and this was the one outlet that I felt captured that for me. Yeah. Where they were real people that I could go back to as a kid, you know.
1: Nice. So when you started doing writing and stuff like that, what did you, what were you, did it start as just like essays or what was kind of your way of getting into it?
0: I started with Powerpuff Girls fan fiction because nice. I'm a 90s baby oh, yes.
1: <laughs> and drew
0: little comics. And then, you know, I loved literature growing up. So, you know, I did all the book reports and got that. But then I just started, you know, writing stories and short stories. And I won a um, short story contest when I was like 10 from like an old horse magazine nice. and, and won a free book Wow. and then just kept going from there and then I wrote my actual first full-length novel at 19 and now I've written about like seven but wow
1: okay very cool um yeah my uh for a while there I was playing around with writing and stuff like that just as a kid I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um which is funny because I was I'm a terrible reader um <laughs> I have I had vision problems and all sorts of stuff that held me back as a kid. So I never learned to like read during that like important time in your mm-hmm. life. So even now when I'm reading, I'm not a fast reader. My reading be, yeah. comprehension is terrible. Um, but I enjoyed the writing aspect of right.
0: it. Right. And they're very different. Like like and there's so many ways like it's it's great you say that about, you know, you struggled a little bit because like part of what I did. I really want to appeal to reculant readers, especially like, you know, reculant teens Mm -hmm. for reading because, you know, I learned there's a very specific way in Hollywood where you write for visual appeal. So when you're reading, it feels very visual in your head. And my daughter's dyslexic Mm -hmm. and ADHD, and I really wanted her to grow up having stories that she could actually focus and commit to.
1: Yeah.
0: And so it's cool you said that.
1: Yeah. No, so I I enjoyed the the writing aspect because... In a, I mean, you really, you have the whole, you can do whatever you want. Right. And, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, like, well, you need to, like, set your base rules and all those different things so that right. it's, you know, it doesn't contradict itself. Right. Um, but you get to do create this story, and the characters get to do whatever you want, and you right. get to do all these different things. And
0: that's the great thing about writing. Bef- it's kind of like when you get to playing before you grow up. It's like when you are a kid writing. It's that beauty of not having any rules. And then once you grow up, you're like, oh, I have to do this, like you said, a specific way. And there has to be, like, um, structure and plot and everything else. But that beautiful point of writing as a kid is just, I love it.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, and I always enjoyed, um, as a kid, I was very imaginative. And I would always do, like, uh, whether it was playing with stuffed animals and turning them into, you know, whole things. Or um, one of the things I used to always do is when I was mowing lawns or doing any sort of menial task, I had a whole story going on of yeah. some sort. And so yeah. That's
0: how writers start. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. I think the um and then as I've gotten older and learned about writing and what it takes to put into a book and the publishing and, and each step along that way. It's a
0: lot of work. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but I it's it's fascinating to me the all of the work that goes into it. Um and the whole creative process and, and all of that. Yeah. So, um, awesome. So then, uh, so in high school you were doing that when you said by 19, you had already, um, finished your first novel. Um, was there a point where you were wondering, like in high school that you were looking at like going to a writing school or anything like that?
0: You know, I did. And, you know, it just wasn't something that I was able to do financially. And, so I decided, you know, I was going to do what I could to do to learn. So I s- sought out authors, and I'm, I'm one of those people that can just kind of wear my way in anywhere. I'm like, hey, guys, <laughs> I want to be your friend. <laughs> so I made a lot of friends, and they mentored me. And then eventually, when I think I was starting my third novel, I ran into a guy that he's a story analyst for, he worked for Paramount Pictures for 30 years. Okay. And that was, that's what he does. And so he took me under his wing and has been, you know, I still talk to him constantly. So he's been mentoring me for years and years on like old Hollywood story craft. Um, You know, all the, you know, 21 plot points and how to, you know, this is, this is what I do and it's my craft and I want to represent it well and I'm just excited to finally be able to share my stories with everybody.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned a couple things in there. Um, can you explain those a little bit more? Because I think it, as a writer, you're going to, and, and since you've been doing it, you now understand these things. You're like, right. oh, well, there's this and there's right. this. Can you break those down a little bit more? So
0: so there's a whole, like, you've probably seen it, like, many times, like, online, where, like, Harry Potter, Star Wars, you know, those are all the same stories. So there's a basic skeletons for stories for, like, uh, Harry Potter um, you know, Luke Skywalker's, it's all the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So there there are many different skeletons you can put into a story that are all the same. And then the flesh and, you know, clothes and hair you put on top is what makes them unique. Okay. And so when you go back to old Hollywood storycraft, you have to learn what those skeletons are and the ins and outs and how to put them together. And then once you have a solid skeleton, then you can put, put all the sprinkles and everything else on top to make it you. But yeah. A lot of writers go in without learning those stiff structures of story, and that's what kind of gets them floundered and what makes it hard for them to actually finish a novel, Um, which is very difficult without knowing your craft from the basic bones, you know?
1: Yeah. So then how do you uh, mirror that? Because I think, so when I looked at uh, story writing or when you're talking about a story of like making something, How do you marry that with the idea of like, well, I want to be unique and something special and something that no one's ever done before. How do you marry those two ideas then?
0: No one's ever done you before, you know, (laughs) you're you. And two people can write or paint or draw the exact same thing and they never look the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I could write you just, for example, Cinderella, and it's not going to be the same as the original writer. And that's why there's so many retellings, because when you see so many retellings of the same story, it's because they're using that skeleton and then adding them on top. Okay. And make it, to make it unique. So the sprinkles and whatever clothes you put on your story, that's what makes it you. But having that structure makes it, it gives that familiarity to the readers. So they pick up and they're like, this is something I can comfortable, like this makes me feel safe because they recognize that story. Um, and that's what makes things like, you know, Harry Potter and, and Lord of the Rings and all those so popular is because there's that st- foundation and the fulfillment of plot that that makes just gives that satisfaction to the reader when they set it down.
1: Yeah. Can you um, do you have uh, whether they're examples or just um, have in your experience um, when you're reading and stuff, have you run into authors or books or things like that, that you're like, they didn't follow that. And it's very like there's obvious issues because they did not.
0: Um, Yes, absolutely. Like with the with the way how digital the world is now, anybody can publish a book. Mm-hmm. Anybody can. Um, you upload a document on Amazon, click publish and it's done, you know? And so a lot of writers are like, I don't understand why I'm not selling, you know, I've only sold one copy and it was my mom that bought it. And while that's, I'm really proud of them for taking the effort to do that. They wouldn't have those problems that they just studied a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then writer, the writing community is so great. Just reach out to anybody on yep. social media and they'll be like, yeah, bro, let's talk, you know, and learn, you know?
1: Yeah. So, what uh, when you talk about twenty-one plot points, is that like when you're writing out your outline, you're kind of creating that story yeah. arc? Yeah.
0: Um, one of my favorite examples of it is actually. Have you seen Doctor Strange? Yeah. Yes. So, there's the what's called the very first plot point will be called the opening image, strength of evil. So, what do you see in the first scene of? Uh, Doctor Strange all those guys fighting and there's like all the cool sci-fi and what that is is the promise of what's to come later in the story mm-hmm. then you go to the next prompt point which is the familiar world and you see Doctor Strange in his familiar world you see him in his doing what he does and being cool and in his hospital and then so if they started with that prompt point you'd be bored yep. but because you had the promise of what's coming in the first prompt point it keeps the reader hooked. Then the next prop point would be the third is the inciting incident. So for Doctor Strange, that's his car wreck. Yeah. That's the inciting incident that starts the whole story because he's pursuing the um, a cure for his disabilities. <laughs> yeah. And every single movie, every story, if you watch it, you'll watch those prompt points go through the whole yeah. way down. But not every story is Doctor Strange. Right. Right. They're all different, but yeah. they all have the same prompt points. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cool. So would it be safe to say that like, you know, in some of the like stuck restra- the second one they didn't quite follow as well <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely actually I think movies are probably because in a book you know that's going to take you to- a lot of time to go through mm-hmm. in a book and and then you can like go back through a book and reanalyze certain pieces once you've finished the story but I think movies are the reason movies are popular and why they're an easy example of like certain movies you'll watch immediately you'll get done you're like it wasn't satisfying right it didn't Hit any emotional level. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that's because old Hollywood followed all those prom points and newer stories. They don't do that anymore as much yeah. as they used to. Yeah, um, especially now with like um, Hulu and the Netflix series taking over, which people love. That's they're doing, That's great. But mm-hmm. people are more like instant gratification now. They want like a you know forty-five minute episode and then they can go. Yeah. So things are different now than they used to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, yeah, I just think that's interesting. How it is one of those things where it's like you want to be these unique or different or whatever like that, but, like, if you don't follow the formula... And, and some of this happens in, like, marketing or things like... too, ...where, like, you're trying to market and create something new and exciting and all this stuff, but, like, it ends up being the same thing over and over. You right. just have to adapt it to the platform you're on, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing. Right. So...
0: Exactly the same. <laughs> yeah.
1: Very cool. Um, so uh, why did you choose fiction over whether... Uh, what I guess... Fiction is a very large genre, obviously. Sure. Um, but what drew you to that versus any other style of writing?
0: The kind of like what you were talking earlier, the ability to do anything, the mm-hmm. the openness and I could create whatever I wanted wherever I wanted. And so I'm mostly ninety percent a fantasy writer, but so actually Dowry Snails and Mud is my first non-fantasy piece. Um I got into the time period, I started wanting to write something a little different, and my family members had, one of my family members had dug up a ton of research genealogy going back to 900, you know, whales, and I remember looking through all this, and there was a little note on the side that said, so-and-so, can't pronounce the name, was married into royalty in 900 whales, and I was like, what would that look like? Like, can you imagine just being, like, plucked up and, oh, time to go, you know, time to be married. And so that kind of just started how I was like, who would that person be? What would they be doing, you know? And who would this ancestor of mine from 1,000-plus years ago be thinking when this happened to him, her? So I just started thinking, it just kind of stuck with me who this great-something grandma of mine would be doing. And I'm like, okay, sitting down, this is going to be a book now. And so I did a ton of research into my genealogy and into Welsh culture. And I, I, blend, I wanted to blend that into something that was very comedic. I wanted to make something that's like another kind of Princess Bride feel. Like mm-hmm. it's not super serious. It's not taking itself too seriously. But you also get that sprinkle of... I wanted to add that sprinkle of culture into it. Um, and then I also wanted to write something that's kind of like a fun warm story you could sit down by the fire and read in one afternoon like a like a notebook kind of thing you can go back and read it like five six times and it's still just as good as the first time you read it mm-hmm. so that's what got me here
1: nice cool so what was um what does that research look like for you
0: a lot of digging um i went through i mean obviously you can't trust everything you find on the internet what, <laughs> what? it's a lot of um talking to people finding people who actually you know actual Welsh people and finding people online I could talk to, digging through libraries and actual, um, like historical record kind of research. And I kind of, like I said, I didn't want it to be too serious because people, if I put too much, people are always like, that's not right. So I kind of wanted to make it loose, but like down to, you know, the food they ate and it's and the way they dressed and the way their wedding ceremonies are. And it's just really fascinating. So I sprinkled that all throughout there. So, you know, maybe people would want to go and be like, I want to learn about more about my culture, mm-hmm. you know, my people, you know. Yeah. And everything like that.
1: Nice. So then um, this one is set in a Western setting, correct? It's Welsh. Yeah. Oh, Welsh. Okay, got it. Um, okay, so then as you were building that out then, what was... I guess, how do you like you get a general idea, then what's your next, how, what's, I guess walk us through kind of your writing process. After you kind of got the research start, then what do you do from there? So
0: I wanted, I had decided that I wanted to write something I had never written, which would be a romantic comedy. So I'm like, okay, so what's the base skeleton of romantic comedy? It's guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back, which is the basic skeleton. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do a little different. So I'm going to do girl gets guy, guy loses, girl loses guy, girl gets guy back. So I'm like, okay, that'll kind of break it up a little bit. And I, <laughs> so, well, Wales has, I just, you know, they, they have princes. And then, because, then the, you know, they, the king is mm-hmm. England. So one of the things I in my research that struck me is that when the prince had so many sons, so many princes, there was too many princes, so they would marry him off to towns that were not behaving <laughs> or not doing taxes or not doing that. And I thought that was hysterical. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have a community of people that's king or you know the king the head prince needs to get under control so he ships off his sixth son who doesn't really care off to this <laughs> village to get them to pay their taxes and ria who is the main character in the story is the mayor's daughter because in those times the well villages had mayors mm-hmm. all the welsh villages had mayors and so her dad's like okay this is a great opportunity for you to get our taxes paid off <laughs> you can schmooze this guy right and so the prince is trying to smooth her into giving the, you know, paying, the, paying off their taxes. And she's trying to smooth him into paying them off. But neither of them actually have the money. And it's just a big old hot mess. And it's just a really fun story.
1: Nice. Very cool. So then, um, was, is this a series that you were looking at, like, um, continuing on with, or is it? Are you trying to bookend this one? In, in
0: this one? one's meant to be a standalone, kind of, but, I mean, if the fans the fans want <laughs> another, I, it'd be easy to do. I do have several series, though. I have a superhero mystery series coming out April 10th, which I'll be revealing on my social media here soon. And then I also have a young adult pirate fantasy series coming out hopefully late summer, early fall. So I've got... I'm hoping... If the plan all goes to plan, I'll have about six books out by the end of next year.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. And is this, is this your first published book or do you have ones prior to this? This
0: is my first published novel. Okay. Um, I've been, so there's, I'm there's, um, as an independent author and there's also the traditional publishing industry. Yeah. I've been in the traditional publishing industry for a while. Okay. Um, I was working with agents and editors and did an internship with an agency. And I just got to the point where it's like, I could do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And I have the means to do it on my own. And so I pursued, decided to pursue independent publishing. Okay. Open my own press, um, you know, work with distributors and everything and got that going. So I'm excited. So now I'm like, okay, it's time to get it out. This is, this is my business now. So.
1: Okay. So what does that look like from your side then on, as an independent uh, publisher?
0: A lot of investment. It's a lot of risk. I have to, I mean, like I said, anyone could just go on Amazon and publish a book. Right. But I did not want it to just be that. I wanted my books everywhere. So that would require me, you know, doing the process, getting business license, opening my press so I can be a vendor vendor to, you know, Walmart, Target. You know, I go through a distributor that ships them to Amazon or Barnes and & Noble. And so they, the, my distributor creates and prints them and ships them to wherever they need to go. So, okay. like, my sales are just coming in and I have a few bookstores in Australia that have ordered some copies or some in the United Kingdom that have ordered it and they just, and they ship them out to where they need to go. Okay. But if I had just published on Amazon as a digital, that's not possible. You have to go through the whole shebang to get the ability right. to go out, you know, internationally
1: outside of that. Okay. Awesome. And then from a business side of that, then does as a publisher, do you end up, uh, cause normally like authors earn their money from royalties on mm-hmm. the book. As a press, do you get both sides of that? Or do you only get the wholesale side of that? Or what does that look like on your side?
0: So from a traditional point, so traditionally, if you're going through a traditional route, if an author has a story, they go through an agent, the agent sells it to a publishing house. We're just going to say Disney, just for yep. just for example. Disney will pay them a advance. So we're just, for example, we're going to pay you $5,000 for your story. You get half now and half when it comes out. Yep. And then once the book is earned more than $5,000 in royalties, then the author starts receiving funds. Yep. And the percentage they get is extremely low. So we're talking like less than 10%. Okay. So for an independent author, I don't get any of that upfront payment. Right. But I get to keep 70% of my royalties immediately. So when I start selling, anything I sell, I make 70% off of okay but the catch 22 is that i have to put in all that money yes and upfront. so like for people who a lot of times people go the traditional route because they don't have the means to pay for an editor or a cover art right and things like that and i just decided i was going to make it work find a way to make it work mm-hmm. and um, both are incredible options it just depends on what works best for you you know yeah
1: that's very cool So then for you, then how did you go about filling in the the gap of all the different pieces that normally a publishing house would provide?
0: I wouldn't have been able to. I mean, God's incredible. He got me in so many places that I was able to learn how to do this stuff on my own. Like I did the internship at the literary agency and I was able to learn how, you know, how the marketing works. I was able to learn, you know, how publishers are finding the next kind of books they want to find. You know, I've, met a lot of people in that time that okay, I have ins for editors, I have ins for um I have other authors who directed me on like how to find cover art. And so you just learn from your community. And so I was able to and I like the marketing part. A lot of authors don't. Yeah. Like I really like that. I think it's super fun, the marketing and the business aspect of it. So that wasn't intimidating for me. Um honestly if you want to learn do it just reach out to other authors who are doing the same thing and most everybody's will be happy to teach you
1: yeah yeah nice so then um so you mentioned you have a lot of different books coming out and and by the end of next year you want to have six books released most or many authors I've spoken to and stuff they usually are producing a book maybe a year if they're really like hitting it hard or it's like a two-year process Mm -hmm. um have you been like building like some of these already and then you're kind of finishing them out or how does that a couple of of them the
0: first two that i have coming out this year um i actually finished a couple years ago and then redid them um the next four books i've got coming out are in process um i'm just a faster writer i guess because i have that skeleton when you have a when we talked about the skeleton earlier having a set plan and something to build off of makes the writing process much faster and much easier yeah and a much less editing after so it makes it easier. But especially in the independent publishing industry, it's very, very competitive. And to stay present and in the algorithm with your readers, it's important to at least get two to three books out a year. Wow. To really stay on like, especially on the top of Amazon's algorithms. Yeah. Um, and so you can definitely do great on one book a year. But to, especially when you're starting, if you want to get that money flowing and you want to get those people in and you build a reader fan base, the more books you got out, the better.
1: Okay. Yeah. So then also with all of these different kind of, different genres, not genres, but um, subgenres within fiction that you're trying to hit on, um, what's the benefit of, of hitting three different types versus releasing book one, two, and three within one series?
0: See that one's some kind of a more of a risk of mine. Yeah, I'm very much a multi-genre author. Okay, where a lot of people are more niche and they'll stick to just romantic comedy. And like people who make big money are romance authors. Big money, <laughs> yeah, you know, they only write romance. And I wanted to have a more wide variety. Like for my next book coming out is a is you know it's called middle grade. It's the, which would be like eight to twelve
1: mm-hmm. range,
0: but it's really eight to eight up. And so I wanted to have a good, safe, solid story for younger readers. Yeah. And then dowry is my teens, so we're thinking like, you know, 14 to 18. And then, so I'm going to be kind of be staying in between that 8 and 18 range. Yeah. But the way you keep them from getting all over the place is your branding's very important. Yeah. So you can have a lot of different genres as long as the uh, the reader can pick it up and know who it is as soon as they open the book. Okay. So my branding is very humorous I go a lot of humor very bright saturated colors in my cover art
1: yeah
0: um, I'm cl- I do very clean I don't you know we're not it's something that your grandma can read yeah it's safe um, I kind of go like okay can this be in toy Story if it's gonna be in Toy Story then I can write it like
1: you know <laughs> nice yeah
0: so toy story is very funny and humorous and there's a lot of jokes but it's not something that's you know anybody can watch it you know yep yeah. And so when somebody picks up my book, they're going to recognize my sense of humor in all of my different genres. Yeah. So like Stephen King has a very, very specific way he writes. Yeah. And you pick up, I could pick up any book and you'd be like, oh, this is Stephen King. Like, yep. and that's how he, 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 you know, he can keep that branding together and keep all his books together.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Does
0: that make sense? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's, that's really neat. So then, um... What is your, I guess, when did you start kind of really hitting it with marketing for a dowry of snails and, and mud? And then what has that looked like? What, what are the channels you use? How do you get going on that?
0: I am very aware of what I'm not good at. And I'm, I'm not good at multi. I don't really care for social media, but it is 100% necessary for marketing. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I'm not great at this. But there are people who are. So I have reached out to people who have been helping me build up a social media platform, which has been very beneficial. And, you know, so I've I'm, one thing I learned is that you should a lot of authors try to, like, be on every single kind of social media platform yep. where I've learned that it's better to focus on, like, just say two. OK. And put your focus in like two and build up that. So, you know, I'm mostly right now on Facebook and Instagram.
1: OK. And how do people find you on those?
0: Um, you can look up author Brittany Tucker on either of them. At author Britney Tucker. Okay. And you'll find me. And I've got a few events coming up, which you'll see on my social media. So the 8th I have the 8th of this month, I have a lot la- a virtual launch party going on, which I'll be giving away free signed cover hardcovers, free ebooks. Um I've got some mugs and I'm gonna give us out some Amazon gift cards for people who just want to attend. Okay. And then I've got, just actually got confirmation this morning that I'm gonna be doing a book signing on the 28th at Wits Books in Stanwood.
1: Oh, very cool.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna to try to get, make that like a little local community thing. Nice. I've noticed like the community has been my biggest, biggest um, help. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people forget how important. The people around them are like just down at the store and just talking to everybody, and the word of mouth that gets around has probably been the most helpful. Yeah.
1: Nice. Very cool. So then, um, so it sounds like you've you've started all these different things. Are the other series that you're starting are those are those planned to be series? I guess is a question.
0: Yes, um, I've got the kids' store series I've got coming out. It's going to be four bucks, and then the pirate one I've got coming out. It's going to be three. And then, you know, we'll see what goes after that. I'm always making new stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have lots of stuff for people to read.
1: <laughs> nice. And then are you ever planning on, uh, uh, adding in or doing, um, audio for any of your series that you're working looking? on? it. Okay.
0: It's a, it's a long process. Um, and it's not one I'm very familiar with. So it's right. taking a lot of re- research to, but hopefully in the future, within the next couple of years, I'll have some audiobooks going.
1: Okay. Very cool. I, I've, um, I've, Because I'm not a strong reader, primarily, yeah, that's pretty much all I do. Um, But it's, again, it fascinates me as I start looking behind the curtain on how those are produced. Yeah. The people that do them. Um, There's actually um, a previous guest, uh, Caitlin Kinnanen. She actually is starting, she's done a few different audiobooks. And I asked her, because I was like, how do you, when you're doing a book, especially if it's a series, how do you continue to keep the same tone of voice and everything for these right. different characters and how do you build that out so you actually have different voices and intonations and stuff yeah. for all these different characters that's
0: still something i'm figuring out too so if you find out please tell me because <laughs> i haven't got there yet
1: yeah well she it was really interesting she said um when it comes to like certain books when she's doing voices she's like i've only done what within book you know a book so far um, but what they do is as you're getting it produced right before you speak for that person they'll replay you speaking as that person and she's like then it's actually fairly easy for you to read you know read that line oh, in so that she's doing she's, it herself yeah she's doing it for another author but yeah oh. she's she's the voice
0: oh okay okay so, so i was like whoa that's brave doing yeah. It on her own book.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah when it comes to fantasy stuff i'm sure it's very difficult um so very cool so then um, what do you see as your future? I, I know you've got other books and stuff, um, but from a publish, so publishing side or publish, book publishing side, um, do you ever think that you would ever expand into bringing in other authors or people that kind of align what you do?
0: Um, th- I want this to be hopefully, you know, God bless my lifelong career. Um, I have several other authors that I'm very good friends with and I work with that you know hopefully we can start doing some projects together I actually have a writer's retreat coming up at the end of summer which I'm really excited for nice. where we're all going to get together and come up with stuff but um, mostly just we'll see see where God takes me and see where things go and all I could do is one book at a time and if I could make enough off one book to pay for the next book I'd be thrilled you know <laughs> yeah you know because then I could keep it going and keep you know stories out to readers and that would be wonderful
1: Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? New rubber boots. Nice.
0: (laughs) So my socks aren't wet. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, especially with the snow and everything we've been having. All right. Who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life?
0: Oh, outside of my family. Probably my friend, author friend, her name is Jensen Reed, it's her pen name. She's been with me doing this since like 2018. And she just doesn't let me give up. And if I start getting down on myself, she's like, dude, shut up, get to work. And just having that kind of blunt, honest, Support is so important, especially in such a competitive um, career choice. (laughs) Nice. So I appreciate her.
1: Very cool. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. It's, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank.
0: Dig up dinosaur bones.
1: Nice. (laughs) That would be very cool. All right. Uh, Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next?
0: In community-wise or just period?
1: It can be uh, pretty Wherever.
0: Well, if you want another author that's really great, there's my friend Trisha Wentworth. Has just released. Like, she has an enormous amount of books. She has two a series have come out called Enchanted Kingdom and the sequel that has recently come out. And they are incredible. They are like uh, Cinderella retelling, kind of like I mentioned earlier. And I typically don't like those. I think they're... They just... I'm not a fan of Cinderella, but I... Burn through these books in like two days and now I have to wait for the third one and she's an incredible human. Nice. And it would be a great interview.
1: Okay. Very cool. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20 year old self?
0: Chill out and be patient. <laughs> Stop stressing so hard about getting everything done now. Yeah. Things take time and years and I think I expected way too much of myself when I was 20.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you
0: for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for your books to come out. Um, I, whenever I have authors on, I always am, feel bad because I'm like, I probably won't read the book. But <laughs> when those audiobooks come <laughs> when out, those audiobooks I'm po- sure I'll be listening. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Okay, today. Thank you. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Brittany Tucker for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash podcast. That's commandocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.